0: Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. My name is Eric Wickland, and I'm the Technology and Innovations Editor here at Health Leaders. This podcast is sponsored by Wolters Kluwer Health, bringing you up-to-date the premier resource for clinical information and treatment recommendations used by more than 2 million total users. Please visit Go.Uptodate.com forward slash leaders underscore podcast to learn more. We're marking Health Leaders Patient Experience Week this week with a chat with Rick Evans, Senior VP and Chief Experience Officer at New York Presbyterian. As patient experience gains new meaning and value in a patient-facing healthcare ecosystem, it's his job to understand what the patient wants and what the health system can do to meet those needs and make every interaction meaningful for both patient and care team. Hello, Rick. Hey there, nice to be with you, Eric. Thanks very much for joining us. Let's talk a little bit. How has or you know how how has the patient experience changed over the past couple of decades? And how has uh, New York Presbyterian pivoted to address these new changes? So it's changed a lot. Um, mm-hmm. you know I can remember
1: that I can remember back that far actually. Um, and when we first started, I think we used to call it service excellence. Uh, customer service, which those aren't bad words, but uh, I think we used to think about the patient experience as more episodic. It's something that happened. It was, you know, you're, you're having a doctor visit or a hospital admission. And over the years, we've realized it's gotten bigger and bigger. We've realized that it's really much more than that. It's a journey. Um, Parts of that journey, you're looking for services or exploring uh, options for yourself. Uh, Parts of that journey, you're getting care. And then there are things that happen afterwards. And we've also realized even more recently that it's not just the patient experience. It's also the patient and family experience. Most patients come to us with with people around them, with loved ones. Some do not, unfortunately, and we try to support them. But in large, people come with other people. Um, And then uh, I think as we've come through COVID, we've realized it's really human experience that within our walls, everybody's having an experience, whether they're a patient, family member, a nurse, a doctor, a transporter, and all those experiences are linked. Um, So I think part of what's evolved is our understanding of what we're talking about in the first place. The other thing that's happened over those decades is we've learned as we've measured patient experience using surveys, talking with patients, getting feedback, we've learned that th- there's a body of knowledge that's really um, developed over the years, meaning there are definitely best practices that um, when you do them consistently, um, they move they move the needle for patients and families. Um, I mean, what patients or families are looking for, that sort of the, the basis of patient experience is not so much um, you know, the food or the parking, although those things do come up occasionally, it's really um, communication, uh, one-on-one communication and team communication. And the better we're able to do that in a coordinated way, the better the experience is for the patient, quite frankly, the better it is for our, our own experience, and also the better it is for health outcomes. So how have we've evolved, we've evolved with that understanding. So our measurement has changed over the years. NYP, we've, we've updated how we measure and get feedback from patients. Now that it comes in to us from multiple sources, whether it's a survey, a phone call, a letter, a comment, uh, live feedback while they're here, we collect all of that so we can understand what's going on. That's very different than it was 20 or 30 years ago. We do use these best practices. We're not feeling around for things to do, although we're always learning new things but our our work has become uh, much more standardized. Um, And um, I think we've enlarged, as I said, as we've enlarged our understanding of the experience, then our interventions to improve the experience have evolved and expanded as well. So there are things we're doing for patients. There are things we're doing very deliberately to support family members and friends and loved ones. And there are very specific things we're doing to support our staff. so the understanding of experience has changed. The methods to pro- uh, measure it have changed. The uh, interventions have changed. And at near Presbyterian, we've tried to update all of that
0: all the way through. Now, in this, uh, this atmosphere of patient facing health care, and you've got competition coming from some new sources uh, that are that are. Kind of honing in on the honing in on the, uh, the the healthcare space with with offers of of better service and so on and so forth. What you know, what are the dangers of not paying attention to the patient experience? Uh, we live.
1: You, you kind of uh, touched on it. Hmm. Um, there are lots of other non-traditional healthcare-related folks getting into the business, and quite frankly, some of that private equity. Um, you know they want the most profitable parts of healthcare, and maybe not so much of the rest. We don't make those choices, nor do we intend to. Uh, we're 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 here for all. We're not here to just do the things that make money. We're here to provide comprehensive healthcare uh, to the to anyone who needs it, regardless of what's wrong with them, what they're struggling with, or their ability to pay or their station in life. And uh, sometimes that doesn't apply to some of the newer entrants into the marketplace, and that's. Not true of all of them, but it's certainly true of a lot of them. We're a a much more ratings-conscious society than we've ever been. Um, Mm -hmm. Most of us now, uh, if we experience something, we rate it. Um, We can do that uh, in many different ways on many different platforms. You mentioned competition. Um, New York City especially. I could go outside the door here and roll a bowling ball and hit another great hospital. Um, So... You know, you've got a lot of competition, you've got a much more ratings driven and how people review everything. Um, you've also got a much more consumer driven economy. So people are looking for not only that communication I talked about, but they're looking for convenience. And if healthcare is known for a lot of things, it's not often known for convenience. Um, and so the dangers of not listening to your customers and your patients, the dangers of not responding to that is you could be pushed out of the marketplace uh, before you even realized it's happened. Um, you know, in, in our, even in our market, New York, the New York City market, but in many markets around the country, if people can't get convenience, they will absolutely go elsewhere, including to a non-traditional healthcare setting if that's more convenient. So you you ignore this stuff at
0: your peril. It's often mis uh been said. I mean, and people who go to the hospital, it's not a good experience to begin with. I mean, uh, they're going there for a health concern. They're 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 miserable to begin with. So, you know, how do you make the best of that bad situation?
1: <laughs> I think it's um my colleague Tom Lee um it said, uh, you know, there's suffering in, inherent in healthcare. You just talked about it, Eric. And we shouldn't be adding to that suffering. Yeah. with mm-hmm. barriers red tape uh all kinds of things that we put up in front of patients sometimes for very good reasons we're heavily regulated but uh if you don't think about how to creatively remove those things allow people to get what they need when they need it
0: um you're sort of in big trouble now we we talked a little bit at the beginning you know the changing face of healthcare and a lot of that has to do with new technologies uh coming into play um what, how are you using some of these new technologies and ideas to improve the patient experience? And where do you see healthcare going in the future with this? Yeah. So,
1: the first sentence is probably going to sound like a cliche, but um, we're living in an increasingly digital world. Mm-hmm. And that digital reality has to also come and has come to healthcare. Um, we've always And at New York Presbyterian, we're very fortunate that we can do it. We've always looked for cutting-edge technology in the clinical space, right? You want the the best ability to test and diagnose and treat uh, disease and and issues with patients. But in this convenience-driven, consumer-driven society and economy that we live in, patients um, want options. So they want to be able to interact with us when they want to and how they want to. Why do they want that? Because they can do it anywhere else, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, who goes to a store anymore? Um, I, I, you know, I, I will. I have to be forced to walk into a store these days when I can do things in my time and in my speed. So, healthcare is increasingly that expectation is coming to us. So you've got to be digital. You've got to allow for patients to serve themselves when they want to. Um, you know, if I if I decide I finally have time at 1030 at night to make an appointment with my doctor, I should be able to do that. Uh, on the other hand, if I've got something on my mind or I'm worried and only another live person talking to me will do that option should be there. So, um, you know, that the technology that enables that, um, whether that's a patient portal. Um, I think probably most of us use those now or at least have them available to us where I can look at my tests. And I just emailed my doctor today uh, with a question. To be able to do that is um, sort of table stakes now. Um, but how do you make that experience multi-channel so that patients in multi-channel, meaning phone, web, portal, so that patients have and customers have options, they can choose, how and when they want to interact with us, and we have that all those available to them. That's technology. The other thing we're learning is, um, let me flip it on its head, within mm-hmm. the hospital itself, we have to use technology to make it easier for our teams to provide care and coordinate care. So I think you, if you talk to any doctor in America or nurse or other uh, clinician, they'll tell you the documentation is killing them. Um, and... How can we make it easier to document? How can we use AI? How can we use um, technology to, to sort of listen in on a visit and condense what's been said and put that on paper so that a, a physician maybe can document a little more quickly than they were and spend more time with the patients? Um, we're using virtual uh, technology in our be- at our bedside right now so that, for example, a nurse delivers a new medication to a patient. Um, she obviously tells the patient or he tells the patient what the medicine is for and why they're doing it and does a little education. Patients still may have questions. We can get a pharmacist right on their television screen right now. And the nurse can say, if you have more questions, I can get a pharmacist on the line right now to talk with you. Would you like that? Or even on your own device, I can do that. What does that do? Uses our team to the max, coordinates communication, and that nurse can move on to answer the call bell of the other patient who needs them at that moment. So there's a lot of technology we can use within the care environment that does make it better for patients, makes it more self-service, makes more options, but also um, lets our staff function at the top of their license and their skill set and hopefully spend more quality time with patients and
0: less time clicking. Yeah, Yeah, it's one of the understated parts of all of this that you make the job easier for the nurse and the doctor. Uh, You make the, the workplace less stressful. Uh, more convenient, that's going to affect care, and that's going to improve care, and that's going to in turn improve the patient experience.
1: Yeah, I think we're in a tricky time right now. There's a lot of technology being thrown at our our clinicians, our, our, our team members, and uh, it's not been all sort of reconciled and integrated quite yet. I think we're getting there, but I think a lot of clinicians would tell you, Rick, it still doesn't feel good. And by the way, the email that I sent my doctor yesterday he wasn't answering emails a year ago right he was you know seeing people in this in the in the practice itself so how are we going to sort of rationalize all of this great technology that's I think still a work in progress I'm optimistic but it does require work and thought and um, you know very specific focus I
0: think how do you how do you measure success with these technologies and these strategies? What you know what benchmarks do you use to tell yourself that this is working? So um, there's a number of them. Um,
1: you know, first of all, excellent healthcare should be of a high quality. Um, you know, great outcomes and a, a positive experience. We measure all those things. We measure quality outcomes. We measure everything from mortality to you know, any other clinical outcome you can imagine. Um, You know, we measure infection rates and fall rates and all those things that hospitals should measure. We measure, we ask our patients what their experience was like. So I would say the business indicators are certainly things we want to watch. You know, are we providing high, high quality care? Are we providing a good experience? Are we providing care that is safe? All of that can be measured using our EMR and other sources those are lagging indicators behind what's it feeling like in the moment. And so we'll look at when we deploy new technology, um, we'll look at its use. Is it, you know, one of the great, greatest indicators of where something's useful or not is, is it being used Yeah. <laughs> and how often and, 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 you know, what's the user experience. So we measure that we measure. We um, measure um, in addition to that staff and patient feedback on technology and whether they feel it's useful to them. I and mean, we actually ask, Ask people who use it, how does this feel for you? So there's a number of different ways we measure it. Um, hopefully, though, the, leading, the, the, the most important ones are the outcomes for the patients themselves and the engagement of our team, whether they feel that they have more joy when they come to work, which really does count.
0: Now, in your opinion, as, as we look over the healthcare landscape now, it's, it's kind of a troubling time for hospitals mm-hmm. and health systems. Are you seeing things that uh, the health systems are doing wrong? in 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 addressing patient engagement okay i guess that you no, know no,
1: the, no, it's it's a good question the harshest critique that i would give us is that we don't move fast enough um and uh and i i think that's true sometimes at my place although we're we're very speed conscious um especially in the city we live in uh nothing is slow here um but I would also say that um, in general healthcare, we are just sluggish. We really are. I think during COVID, particularly here in New York, we proved that we could move fast if we needed to. And I mean, we were building ICU beds overnight in the spring of 2020. Um, you know, we just kept ahead of it. It was pretty scary, but if we, you know, we we were putting building ICU beds in places we never thought a bed would ever exist, and beds don't exist there today. My point of that is this, I think we need, God, we don't want another pandemic, but we need to look at this with sort of a similar urgency that patients need this now. Quite frankly, they've been asking for it for a long time. And when we really want to, we can move fast. So my harshest critique of what we do wrong is
0: we're just too darn slow and we need to speed up. You know, another thing, COVID, that came out of COVID, is the idea of, of moving more services into the home or out of the hospital and somewhere else. The hospital at home movement, remote patient monitoring, virtual care—do these type of strategies play a part in improving the patient experience? 100%. Yes, they do, and I'm glad
1: you brought it up. And I should have even mentioned it earlier when we were talking about technology. Again, um, those kind of tech wearables. Um, you know, those uh, remote visits, uh, a nice mix of telemedicine with in-person medicine, um, all of those things uh, we've proven people can do them, enjoy them, want them and don't want them to go away. Um, we're looking and working on every single one of the things you just mentioned and using AI even uh, to better diagnose, for example, uh, issues in cardiology. There are some ways in which um, AI can actually diagnose more accurately than human beings now you know I think there's a lot of AI hype out there um, and so we got to be really careful that we take very thoughtful steps in which I feel my organization is doing so AI is not a panacea AI also has risks um, you know uh, we we've talked here many times uh, we want to use technology like AI but we don't want to become creepy um, or if you want to even be more more explicit about it do things that That break patients' trust. We don't want to become Facebook where you search something and then you're getting ads for that thing, right? Um, That's a sort of a silly example, but patients have to trust us and they have to know that their data is safe and that the way we're using technology is safe. We're in a world filled with cyber criminals. We need to be really vigilant around those things. Um, We are very, very vigilant around that here. So there's opportunities and then quite frankly there are some risks and then there's a there's a lane we want to stay in which is a lane that is ethical equitable um in concert with the spirit of what healthcare should be about which is people caring for people not becoming merely transactional keeping all those elements in place
0: yeah people caring for people i mean that brings up the idea um is it and, and you alluded to it a while ago too is is it tough to balance the technology and the human touch now in healthcare there's so many of these tools out there that you can use but at at the root of it it's still in person care that that is that most patients want
1: yeah i mean you know yeah, what patients ultimately want is to feel cared for and known as a person they do want to be the long inner room, too. You know, um, they, the people want to be known by us and feel known, and they want to be treated um, as the human being that they are, the unique human being that they are. So we can't go so far with technology that, again, we become just a series of transactions. We're not Amazon. We don't aspire to be Amazon. We don't aspire to be a hotel or a, a, you know, a theme park. We aspire to be a great hospital. So it is a balance. I have to say, though, Eric, I feel there are things about where we are that I don't feel good about. I mentioned we need to move faster. One of the things I do feel good about here is I really do think we're trying to find that balance. And how do you do that? You talk to people and you listen. You listen to your patients. You listen to your clinicians. You listen to, um, you know, your leaders and your front line. And we try to find that that balance. Um, it's it's a constant effort, but I'm I'm feel pretty good that here we're we're, we're thoughtful about that.
0: Any challenge to getting buy in from from your providers, your staff, and 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 your executives on some of these uh, measures? Sure. Well,
1: <clears throat> I'm really fortunate that I work in an organization with a board. And uh, I'm not just sucking up to my bosses here, but our CEO, uh, our COO, our our leadership team understand that patient experience is a core um, measure and outcome, just like quality is, just like our bottom line financially is, uh, just like safety is, experience has to be part of that. And I'm privileged to work in an organization where that's the case. In fact, my position itself speaks to that priority. And and the other thing my position speaks to is that it's strategic. Um, You know, I'm part of the senior management team here. And that that says that this is important, that I should be where my team and I are working along with our chief people officer, our chief nurse, our chief technology and innovation officer. You know, I think um, we try to make sure that it's it's very, very strategically placed so that we can succeed. Um, That helps with buy in and leadership on the clinician side. I think a lot of clinicians look at anything corporate, first of all, or anything um, related to experience with a bit of a jaundiced eye. Well, what is this gonna be? And here's something I think is really critical. I say this all the time. If we have our doctors, for example, our nurses thinking that they have to make every patient happy, I think we're setting all of us up for failure. You mentioned it earlier. Not everyone's gonna be happy and not everyone can be made happy. What we're shooting for here is confidence a feeling of that I'm in good hands when we, so first of all, even dealing with clinicians, we start there so that a doctor's the doctors think, oh, these are the people that just want me to smile more. No, smiling is good, I'm I'm, I'm pro smile, but what we really want is to provide care that makes patients feel like they're in good hands. Everyone can buy into that. I haven't met anyone yet who thinks that's crazy. Um, and then the equation has to be, we, we shouldn't be asking people to do something just because it makes the patient experience better, we have, it has to be two. It has to have that potential and also the potential to make a, a, a clinician's day also go better. If we can't put something forward that does both those things, make it better for patients and families, and potentially make it better for that nurse, that transporter, that doctor, that, that food service worker, we don't even,
0: we don't even suggest it. It's got to do both to, to be effective. Yes, yes. Very well put. Rick, thank you very much for, for joining us today. It's my pleasure and happy uh, Experience Week. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, and thank you for listening to Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.